be sure to take part in as much as we can. Get out there and vote. And then don't forget, be sure you pray. We've got a few I prayed stickers left. If you didn't get one this morning, uh, be sure you get one on the way out the door tonight. And wear that proudly in the voting booth. You just put that right on there and walk in there, and if they take it from you, we'll call CLA and get a lawsuit against them, okay? But you be sure you wear that in there proudly. As a matter of fact, I take my Bible with me every time I go vote. I just walk right up in there with it. I take my Bible in the voting booth with me. I want them to see it. I'm not only carrying it in my heart, I'm carrying it with my hand, and I pray that God's Word is going to guide us as we take some very big steps here in the next few days. All right, let's get into the Word tonight, if we could. Luke chapter number 15. Luke chapter number 15. I'm going to share a very simple thought with you. Uh, I'm going to back off of the five points from this morning and give you three tonight, okay? I think sometimes we get groany about three, so I give you five, and now you appreciate the three, right? That's how that works. I think they call that psychology. I'm not sure. Luke chapter number 15. We're going to pick up in verse 1. Remain seated tonight, if you don't mind. Uh, it's good to have uh, Brother Ivan in Spanish Church there with us tonight. Thankful for them and their faithfulness. Heard they had a good crowd over there this morning. And uh, thankful for what the Lord's doing there in the ministry through Brother Ivan and his family. Luke chapter number 15, we're going to pick up in verse number 1. Read down <clears throat> through about verse number 9. And then we'll pray and jump right into the message. The Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he come, cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Now let's stop there, and let's pray together. Father, I thank you tonight, Lord, for the blessed assurance that we sing about, and for the amazing grace that we heard sung about tonight. Lord, I am thankful that we can say, It is well with my soul because of the those two things. And I pray, Father, as our hearts are sure, I'm sure tonight a little anxious, and Lord, as we look forward with uncertainty in our country, help us, Lord, to trust in you, Lord, for you've seen past Tuesday already, and Lord, what you've called us to do still remains, and help us, Lord, get a little more resolve tonight as we go about to do that. Bless, Lord, I pray, the time we're in your word, help us receive it the way you'd have us to, and help us respond to it, for it's in Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter number 15 tonight, we're going to jump right into it as we look at a couple of parables uh, that deal with the subject of looking for something that is lost. Looking for something that is lost. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not much of a uh, political insider. I don't know much more than the average person knows, but I do watch the news. I try to read up on what's going on in our country, and I believe if you have just about half enough spiritual sense, you would all agree tonight uh, that our country has lost their way. Uh, both, uh, not just politically, but uh, uh, spiritually tonight, we've lost our way. And I believe if they're going to find their way again, the church is going to have to be about the business of helping them look for what they've lost. Now, we know that's what God's called us to do. 
Uh, we know that we're here to carry out the great commission of seeking those that have been lost. Those just like us before we receive Christ are lost in their sins. But tonight I believe the church, we haven't lost track of what we're here to do. I believe tonight we've lost track of our motivation. Uh, we're not very driven to be about the business for which God has called us to do, uh, and that is to help the lost find what they are missing. Now, in these two parables that we just read about tonight, there is a very important ingredient that I want to focus on for the few minutes we're going to be in Luke 15. There's a key ingredient that they had that aided them to find what they were missing. Now, I don't know about you, I haven't given up on America. Uh, I believe America has given up on the church, but I hope the church hasn't given up on America tonight. And I hope the church will be motivated to help them to find what they don't know that they're missing, all right? It's our job to help them find what they don't realize that they've lost and that they are lost. But our problem tonight is this. We're not motivated. We've lost our drive. We've lost our fire to go and to help those that are lost find what they're missing. Now, in these two parables tonight, I believe there's one key ingredient that we need that they have, and it's the fact that they were desperate. When you read about the lost lamb and you read about the lost coin, you see both in the shepherd who goes looking for the lamb and the lady who's looking for her coin that she was driven by desperation. If there's something tonight I believe we would all agree with, it's the fact that the church is not very driven. Uh, if we're driven about anything, we're driven about fellowship, and there's nothing wrong with fellowship. I enjoy good fellowship. I enjoy the fellowship we had out here on Friday night. Uh, the Lord blessed. We had a lot of folks come. We've had visitors in our service this morning from uh, the fall festival we had on Friday night. I was excited about that, and I'm enjoying fellowship, and I enjoy fellowship after the service. But as the church, we've got to be driven about more than just fellowshipping with one another. I believe tonight the church has got to be driven by our desperation to fulfill what God has left us here to do. And the problem is we're not very desperate. You say, well, how do you know we're not very desperate? Because it's reflected in how undriven we are. You know, when you're desperate for something, you're driven for it, aren't you? Uh, when you're desperately cold, you're going to do what it takes to rub those sticks together to make a fire. When you're desperately hungry, you're willing to eat something. You're driven to eat something that maybe you wouldn't normally eat. Uh, this afternoon, Brother Timothy and I were talking about chitlins. And uh, those of you folks who eat chitlins, I pray for you. I really do. There's something wrong with you, something bad wrong. I think Leviticus has got to say something about chitlins. They've got to be out of the will of God somewhere in there. And besides that, they just stink. But you know, if I got desperate enough, then I'd ha look, Dollar General would have to be out of potted meat. Uh, they'd have to be out of beanie weenies. They'd have to be out of Vienna sausage. I mean, I'd have to be desperate. But I could get desperate enough to be driven to eat chitlins. I'd hold my nose and complain the whole time. Maybe if you covered them in enough Tonys and ketchup, they'd taste a whole lot better. But I'd have to be desperate to be driven to those links. And yet tonight, when you look at the church, we're not very driven. Do you know why? Because we haven't gotten desperate. We haven't gotten desperate. But folks, I don't know about you, and I don't have a, a crystal ball to look in, but I feel like things in America are getting desperate very quick. And I believe sometimes the best thing that can happen to us is that we get desperate. Because when we get desperate enough, we're going to be driven by that desperation to do things that maybe we aren't normally willing to do. 
Uh, I know folks, listen, we all go through troubles and, and difficulties in our marriage from time to time. Look, my wife and I, believe it or not, we spat from time to time. She's strong-willed and I'm right when strong-willed and right meet up that sometimes it's just a problem. Sometimes we spat, and sometimes she doesn't talk to me for a little while, and I don't talk to her for a little while, and for a little while it feels good, you know, because you're punishing them by them not hearing you. Uh, what we don't know is we're doing them a favor. They're like, man, I'm glad he just shut up, you know. They don't have to hear from. But I'll be honest with you, even when I want to be right after a while, I get desperate to talk to my wife, and I want to hear from my wife, and I'm willing to do the unthinkable. I'm willing to go and apologize even when I'm not wrong. No, I'll go apologize because I want to talk to her. What happens? I get desperate enough. And when you get desperate enough, you're driven to do things that maybe you're not normally willing to do. And I believe tonight, if the church is going to get our drive back to help this country find their way again, this country's lost their way. Our country's lost their way. Our country is in a desperate situation, but here's the problem. The country's in a desperate situation, but the church is not responding with desperate measures. We don't realize how desperate of a situation we're in. Folks, I don't know what's going to happen Tuesday, but I honestly believe we're at a critical, pivotal moment in the history of this country. And if the church doesn't find their drive, then this thing is lost. Because if we can't be motivated to help this country find their way, then this country's not going to find their way. This morning we read about Manasseh. And old Manasseh was not very driven to get right with God. Manasseh was going to do things his way. Manasseh was going to do what was right in his eyes, even though it was wrong in the eyes of the Lord. And yet finally Manasseh got caught up in those thorns. I don't know if you've ever been caught up in some briars. You've ever been caught up in some briars? I have some friends of ours from seminary here tonight from our soccer teams, and I used to go uh, rabbit hunting with their uncle, Brother Hub Underwood, and I had never rabbit hunted with dogs before. Man, we're running out there through those briars and vines, and you're trying to catch up to get the rabbit so you can shoot it. After a while, you got saw briars across your face and saw briars around your arms, and finally, you just quit running. Why? Because you didn't get wrapped up in those thorns. And finally, you're willing to stop and do what you've got to do to get out of the thorns. That's where Manasseh was. Manasseh, the Bible says, was bound. He was in a strait. He was taken captive as a prisoner. And finally, he got desperate enough to be driven to call out to God. Now, my question tonight for the church is, are we desperate enough yet to go help this world find what they've lost? And tonight, we're looking at these two people, the shepherd who lost the sheep, but particularly the lady who's lost this coin. And she's gotten so desperate that she's doing a lot of things that I think we need to learn from tonight because oftentimes it takes things getting serious before we get serious. Isn't that the truth? Things have to get serious before we get serious. I'll give you a quick story. You know, the longer my introduction, the shorter my points. I feel like you have to get your money's worth, okay? So if I stretch out the introduction, it means my points are short. So be happy about that. There's only three, not five, like this morning. I remember years ago when my wife and I hadn't been married too terribly long. I may have told you this story. Uh, where we wanted to buy a few extra things or maybe go to Disney World. I can't remember what we wanted to do. And I um, uh, didn't have all the money to be able to go do what we wanted to do. We didn't need to do it. It's something we wanted to do. And I'll remember, uh, matter of fact, Ms. Deborah Kanati, it was her dad, we borrowed, he, he had a pulpwood trailer, a paperwood trailer. Anybody know what that is, pulpwood, paperwood? If you don't, look, it's a great character builder. It really is. It'll help you grow calluses. It really will. It'll help you grow calluses. And so remember we went out there to the pine thicket there by the camp, and I had a chainsaw, and here's my wife, and cutting down, there wasn't a winch. 
All right, I'm having to pick up these logs and throw them up on the trailer. We took them to Bassfield to get the money for it. And all of that work stacked up on that pulpit trailer, $34. Man, I want you to know that's the hardest I've ever worked for $34. But you know what I did after he took that load off? I went back and got another one. Why? Because whatever I wanted, I wanted it desperate enough, and it made me be driven. And I believe tonight, if we're going to help our country... Even beyond Tuesday, whatever the election holds, we're going to have to be driven by desperation. I want to show you tonight what desperation will help you to do. And we're going to look at this subject of being desperate and driven. Desperate and driven. I believe America is desperate tonight, but the church is going to have to get desperate if we're going to help them. Now, look down at verse number 8. I'm going to give you three quick points, and then we're going to give out these golden trophies up here. Almost looks like golden idols. We should have put them on the floor, not up here on the platform. Got all these idols up here in front of the church. Man, we just read about Manasseh doing that this morning, didn't we? Look at verse number 8. The Bible says, either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. Now, here's what's interesting. The Bible doesn't just say that this lady looked for her, her coin. The Bible says she did three things at the end of verse number 8 that I believe give us a good example of what we will do when we get desperate enough. The first thing the Bible says she does, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle. Now, here she goes. She's lost this coin. I don't know if, if you've ever lost anything in your house. I lose things all the time uh, around our house. My wife is the finder. You know, if you have a Mac, a computer, Mac has that little finder. Well, my wife is the finder of our house, and she can find anything. Yesterday, I was looking for something for Miley in our guest bedroom closet, and Leslie said it's there. I said it's not there. Leslie walks out with it two minutes later. Why? She's just a good finder. But folks, tonight, if you've ever lost something and you go through and you're looking for it, you look around, you don't see it, if you're not desperate for it, you know what you're going to be content with? Just to pass it on over. Say, you know what? I tried, all right? Maybe you lost a dollar. Maybe you lost five dollars. Maybe you lost a pocket knife. I've lost several of those. And you look for it and you look for it and you can't find it. Finally, say, so you know what? I tried and you're just going about your business. You see, that shows we're not desperate enough yet to do, that's the first thing tonight, to do something more. When you're desperate and you're driven, you're willing to do something more. You're motivated to do something more to find what you're looking for. Notice what she did. She just didn't walk around and say, oh, well, I lost one of my coins. No, it says that she took the time to light a candle. You see, she wasn't content just saying, you know, I tried. I lost this coin, but I still have nine. You know what? Forget about it. No, she says, I'm going to go get a flashlight, all right? That's what the candle was in the Bible days. It wasn't a real flashlight, but it was a candle. And she says, I'm going to do something more to find what I'm looking for. Now, here's where our church, listen, in church in general tonight, I believe we fall short. Oftentimes, we're content saying, I tried. I tried. You know what? I tried telling my coworker about Christ. I tried knocking on the door, but they sicked the dog on me. You know, I tried inviting somebody to our, our Hope series in December. I tried, but it just didn't work. And we're content with saying, I tried. Now, let me share something with you tonight. When it comes to helping this country, and we see where this country is going to end up if we don't intervene with it, I assure you, I tried not going to cut it down the road. Right now, we're okay with that. Right now, we're fine with pacifying our conscience that I tried to do something. I tried to tell somebody. I tried to intervene for my country, but it just, just didn't work. Listen, if we're going to find what we're missing 
and help our country find what it's missing, we're going to have to be willing to do something more. And tonight, that's going to require us to step out of our comfort zone. The Bible says that she lit a candle. She says, I want to take a closer look. She was willing to go beyond what she had tried to do something else to find what she was missing. I heard an interesting story several years ago about a lady who was traveling through Las Vegas. And as she traveled through Las Vegas, she saw all the lights and wanted to stop and get a photo. So she stops in front of one of the big casinos that were there. I don't know, I'm sure you don't know what a casino is, but it's a place where you gamble, all right? I know you've never been, probably never seen one of those, but that's what it is, a place where you gamble. It's where lost people go, amen? And so she decided to stop and to get a picture out there. And while she was getting a selfie in front of the casino, all of a sudden this man runs out of the casino and says, ma'am, I need to borrow $500 now. And she says, no. And he says, look, my wife is in desperate need of a, of a surgery. If she doesn't get this surgery, she's going to die, and I desperately need $500. Well, the lady is a little bit skeptical that the guy is really going to spend the money on a surgery. So she says, how do I know you're not just going to run into that casino with my $500 and spend it on gambling? He says, oh, trust me, I wouldn't do that. I have gambling money. I just don't have money for the surgery. Now, folks, I want to tell you, as much as we're laughing, that's us tonight. Because we say we're desperate for something, but we're not willing to do something more in order to accomplish what we're looking for. Look, if we're going to see America turned around tonight, I tried to not going to cut it anymore. If we're going to help this country find its way and help them find what they're missing, the church has got to be willing to go the extra mile and do something more. How often do we say we're looking for something and we're just looking so that we can say that we looked? I've told you many times, I'll fess up to it. There have been times I've been out knocking doors where, to be honest with you, I was not driven like I should be. And you go up to the door and you, well, I guess they're not home. I went to 15 doors today and nobody answered that because it's just this virus. And we go home, we get back in the recliner, and we're okay that we tried. Folks, look, saying we tried is not going to help this country find their way. We've got to be willing to do something more. And here's an example of a lady who says, look, I'm not giving up. I'm going to take this thing to the next level. I'm going to find a candle, and I'm going to walk around all the nooks and crannies of my house and see if I can find what we're missing. Now, the sad thing is, this lady was willing to do that for one silver coin. And what we have on the line tonight is our nation. I mean, look, I know you've heard preachers say this all your life, and we've read about preachers saying it long before we ever arrived here in this world, and yet I honestly do believe tonight we're at a pivotal moment. It's a pivotal moment, and our country's on the line. And if there was ever a time that we as the people of God were going to do something more than we've been doing, now's the time. I mean, whatever you're holding back, whatever measures you're waiting to kick into gear to do the will of God in your life, tonight's the night you need to decide to do that because our country is in a desperate situation and it needs the church to get a little bit more desperate in order to help them find their way. So number one tonight, what will desperation do? Desperation motivates you to do more. Haggai chapter number one, I've read this verse so many times because it seems like it reflects our country very well. Haggai chapter number one, verse number two the Bible says that the people said the time has not come that the house of the Lord should be built. The house of the Lord sat in disrepair and it, it sat in ruin and the people said it's not time. It's not time. What are they saying? You know what? It's not needed right now. We'll get around to that later. And they just kept putting it off and putting it off. But what did the Bible say when we keep on reading down in chapter number one? 
God scolds them and asks them a question. He said, is it time for you to dwell in your sealed houses? Is it time for all of your matters and your business and your desires to be taken care of? And yet he says, my house lieth waste. He said, you've been putting off my work to take care of what you wanted, and now look at the disrepair it's in. You see, they weren't motivated. Folks, tonight, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look around this country tonight, and it's in disrepair. And the only way it's going to get back where it needs to be is God's people are going to have to be driven by the desperate situation that we're in, and that just might require you to do a little bit more than you've been doing. Matthew chapter 17, we're going to hurry, but I want you to remember the young man who the Bible calls a lunatic. And remember, the dad brought him to the disciples, and they said, can you heal my son? I mean, my son is tormented. Here's a dad. Watch close. He was desperate. He was desperate. Oh, look, I'm not insulting anybody tonight, but I want you to hear me out. Oh, if we were just that desperate for our children, that we're going to do whatever it takes to get them to Christ and keep them at the feet of Jesus so they'll get what they need. And so this dad brings his son to the disciples, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't heal him. And so the disciples come to Christ, and they're asking him, why couldn't we? We were unable to intervene in the life of this young man. What did Christ say? He says, this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. Now pay close attention to what Christ is saying because I think it applies to us tonight. He says, just doing the usual is not going to cut it this time. Just getting by with the ordinary, you know. By the way, where is Benny Hinn right now with this virus going on and all this? I mean, it just seemed like Benny Hinn could take his coat and help a whole lot of people tonight. He's got this virus. Maybe he could just fly over America and just shake his coat, you know. Where are these charlatans now? You see, folks, it's going to take something more for the disciples to help this young man who's in a desperate situation. He says, you're going to have to come about this one through prayer and through fasting. I mean, folks, I'll be honest with you. Fasting has become something almost of a foreign concept in the church today. You mean set aside a meal? Yes. Set aside first and second breakfast? Yes. First and second lunch and mid-afternoon snack? Yeah, why? Because there's something on the line very important that we've got to help this country find. And this country's in a desperate situation, and God's people are going to have to be desperate enough to do something a little bit beyond the usual. But here's what I believe, and I'll give you the second thing. I fear we're attempting the mediocre while asking for the miraculous. We're only willing to attempt the mediocre things in order for our country to be saved, but we're asking God for the miraculous, and God's looking down at us, and God knows we can do more. God knows we could turn the television off just a little bit longer. It wouldn't hurt a whole lot, to be honest with you, and spend that time in prayer. God knows we could probably all use to set aside a cheeseburger from time to time and spend that time in prayer. Why? So that we might do something more so that our country could find what they're missing. Number one, God's people are going to have to get desperate. What will desperation do? Desperation motivates you to do more. My daughter wrote a paper the other day. The young people in our school are having a contest or some kind of a VFW contest where they're entering uh, to win money, I think. Is that right? Entering to win money? That's what I hear? Amen. I hope she shares it with her dad and remembers her dad, wherever she's at here tonight. Uh, But uh, she was writing a paper, and she was asking me about Normandy. She said, Dad, uh, kind of give me the details of what Normandy was all about. I've shared it with her before. And so we sat down on our bed, and we're going to read about those young men who stormed the beaches of Normandy. 
and how so many of them on those landing crafts as they stood behind the gates of those amphibious landing crafts, as soon as those doors fell open for them to storm onto the beaches, the gunfire just erupted and cut them down before they ever were able to even walk out of that landing craft. And I forget what the numbers are we read, so many that lost their lives on day. What would motivate somebody to be driven, to walk into the face of all of that gunfire? They were desperate. The times were desperate. They didn't want their children growing up in a communist society. They didn't want their children growing up in a world of dictators. And they said desperate times call for desperate measures. And they were so desperate. Listen, they weren't only just willing to sign up. They were willing to go. They were willing to stand on that landing craft. And when that gate fell open, they were willing to walk right into gunfire. Why? They were desperate. The desperate times calls for desperate measures. And they rose to the challenge. Tonight, can I tell you that America once again is facing that same threat? I'm not trying to get political. I'm just being honest with you. The same threat that they were fighting overseas is the same threat that we're fighting right now in the United States of America. And for some of us, it's just a little bit too much to ask to skip some meals for 12 hours a day. You see, those men were desperate enough to defend what we have, and we'll lose it if we're not desperate enough to stand as well. We've got to be willing tonight to do just a little bit more. So number one, desperation motivates us to do more. But look at the second thing in verse 8. We're going to hurry. The Bible says that she lit a candle, and then notice what she did. And sweep the house. She swept the house. Man, this lady's serious. I mean, not only is she willing to light the candle and go look around, the Bible says that she didn't stop with looking. She broke out the old broom. And she's going around and she's sweeping underneath things. Why? Because of her desperation. Watch this. It's motivated her mission. It's motivated her mission. Now, understand something tonight. When you get desperate, it'll help you find your priorities. It really will. Now, I'm sure this lady had other things to do. I'm sure she had other plans for her day. I'm sure that her whole schedule was not, I'm going to spend my day sweeping. I mean, how many of you ladies just dream about that? I just look forward to spending my... I swept today, by the way, in my house. I helped my wife out a little bit. It's not too hard. Uh, I might volunteer to do it just a little bit more often. But here's this lady, and she's set aside everything else she's doing. Why? Because she's desperate. And she's going to do all that she has to do. Here's a lady. Listen, she's not just going through the motions of sweeping. She's sweeping with a mission. She's driven. Why? Because she wants to find what she's missing that she's desperate for. Now, folks, listen to me to now. Oftentimes, when I've done my chores, say it's sweep. Now, that's not one of my chores, all right? I'm not losing my man card tonight. But I'll help my dear wife out sometimes because she helps me out so often here at the church. But oftentimes when we do chores, how often are we just going through the motions, aren't we? As a kid, I remember what it was like. Dad would say, take out the scraps. You take them out, you know. Do they still do that? Do kids still take out scraps? Do they still do that anymore? I don't know. That was one of my jobs. Take it out and you dump it out and you kind of, and you come back in. And the bottom of the pan, there's half a clump of mashed potatoes that didn't fall out. And dad says, take it back out, dump it. 
And then you have to go out and find a stick, you know, a pine stick or something. And you're getting all of these potatoes out, and there's usually some kind of other things on top of That's what our dogs used to eat, all right? Call me bad. Uh, report me to the, the pound people or whatever they're called, you know. But we used to feed our dogs scraps, and they lived a good long time, all right? So just maybe it was just a better time in our life. But I would go do my chores, but oftentimes I'm just going through the motions. I turn it upside down, come back, but it's not clean. Why? Just going through the motions. I fear that's the problem with the church tonight. I fear the reason that the job's not getting done in America is for so often we're not sweeping with purpose. We're not sweeping with a mission. This lady was sweeping with a mission. What she was doing was motivated to accomplish something. She just didn't want to get by with the appearances. And oftentimes, that's all we're doing. We're just sweeping to go through the motions. And that's not why we're not finding what we're looking for. If we're going to be the church that this country needs right now, we're going to have to sweep with a purpose. We're going to have to do more than just go through the motions and give the appearance that we're doing what God's called us to do. The book of Philippians, we read about one of my heroes, Epaphroditus. Oh, my goodness, if there was ever a Christian, an example of a Christian who lived and served beyond just going through the motions, it was Epaphroditus. The Bible says he was sick and nigh unto death to supply others' lack of service. Oh, my goodness, here was a man who was driven by his mission. He was motivated. Folks, tonight, if we just had five, maybe ten Epaphroditus in our church, oh, we'd see a difference in Hattiesburg. But we've got to get beyond being satisfied going through the motions. We're going to have to get to the place where we sweep with a mission, where we're seeking to do the will of God because of what he's called us to do. I want you to know, being saved, being called of God to preach the word of God is the greatest privilege. To get to serve God and to share the gospel of Christ with others and to get to minister to others. You know, that's what ministry is all about. It's about people. I was talking with the Lairds this afternoon about ministry and sometimes we lose track of what ministry is. Ministry is people. Ministry is reaching the lost with the gospel of Christ. Ministry is helping uh, develop and grow and disciple the saved and to help restore those who've, who've fallen out of the will of God because by the grace of God, it can be one of us. That's what ministry is all about. And we lose track of that. We just get going through the motions. We come to church and we sit there and we sing blessed assurance. Look, if that didn't stir your soul tonight, you're just going through the motions. I mean, some of you had to sit on your amens there for a few seconds because something was welling up inside. That's called your spirit. Your spirit was getting stirred. Now, folks, let's not just go through the motions anymore. Let's not just light the candle. Let's sweep the house. Let's go through what we need to go through in order to fulfill our mission. And, folks, look, that's why we're still here. The trump of God has not sounded yet. That means our mission still remains. But we've got to be driven. And if you need a good illustration of why you should be driven, just turn on the news Look at what's going on in our country. The situation's desperate. And God's just looking for some people that will get desperate enough to go help them find what they're looking for and not just go through the motions. Before I give you the last point, I want you to think about the best illustration of all of someone who was so desperate, he was motivated in his mission, and that's Christ. All this afternoon, I was going back through the Garden of Gethsemane. And you see him, he prays. All the disciples then fell asleep. <laughs> they weren't praying, they were sleeping. Christ comes back. He says, could you not watch with me? 
Could you not watch? You see, they forgot their mission. And here's Christ, and he goes, and he prays through all of the agony of that spiritual load that he was bearing. And then he goes all the way up to Calvary, and he just kept going, and he kept going, and he kept going. What was he driven by? Desperation. But see, it wasn't his desperation. It was ours. The old song, as a kid, I used to hear it sung so many times. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. You ever heard that song? As he knelt there in Gethsemane, I believe somehow, some way, he could see all throughout the portals of time. I don't know if he saw every face, but he knew what hung in the balance was this world past, present, and future. And he knew that we were in a desperate situation. Desperately lost and desperately in need of a Savior. And he was driven by desperation. Folks, we watch the news, it's easy to get critical, isn't it? It's easy for this stuff to get stirred and not the spirit to get stirred. But when you see what's happening in our country and you see how desperate it is tonight, you know what that ought to do? That ought to stir you because you and I have the answer for why they're so desperate. The problem is we're not following the example of our Savior with the desperation to go and take them what they need. So number two tonight... Desperation motivates us in our mission. She didn't just light the candle. She said, I'm going to sweep the house. I'm not just going to go through the motions of what's ordinary. I'm going to do something a little bit more. But finally, look what she did at the end of verse number 8. The Bible says, and seek diligently till she find it. I want you to focus on the word after diligently. The Bible says, and seek diligently till she find it. Not only was she motivated to do something more, not only was she motivated to stay about her mission, but we see tonight she was motivated to maintain. She says, I'm not going to stop looking. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to slow down. I'm not going to quit. Watch what it says. Till she find it. Oh, that tonight the people of God would get so desperate we would be motivated to maintain our call until we fulfill it. So when do we fulfill it? Well, till the trump of God sounds or your heart stops beating. That's the till. I think tonight about the Good Samaritan and the links the Good Samaritan was willing to go in order to help the man who was wounded. He was not going to stop until the man got what he needed. He got off of his own beast and he gave him the, uh, the oil that was there. He poured it in his wound and he bandaged him up and then he put him on his own donkey. But he didn't stop there. He carried him. He led the donkey. He let him ride and he walked. A lot of us would stop right there, but he just kept on going. And he takes him to the inn and he gives the innkeeper money and he says, Here, take care of whatever he needs. If there's more, when I come back, I'll pay it. Do you know what he was willing to do? He was seeing his mission through. He says, I'm not going to stop halfway. I'm going to maintain it until. And old tonight, how we could see a difference in America if we just got desperate enough to be motivated to maintain our calling until. Until the trump of God sounds or he calls us home. Before we close tonight, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to show you something and we're going to be done. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And I want you to look down for one final example, and we're going to have our invitation time tonight. 
Paul says in verse number one of 2 Timothy 2, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. Now watch verse number three. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, and here it comes, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Notice the two parts real quickly. He says endure hardness as a good soldier. You know what he's telling him? Maintain your mission. Maintain your mission. You see, but it's hard. Yeah, that's why he says endure hardness. It's going to be hard. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be persecution. It's only going to grow exponentially. But what do we got to do? Endure. Maintain our mission. You say, well, how do you stay motivated with that? That's like walking into a buzzsaw. Well, the motivation is at the end of verse number four. That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. What is our motivation tonight? We should go to maintain our mission in this world and fulfill what God's called us to do, being motivated and being desperate to please the one who's called us to be a soldier. That one day we would stand before him, and I think it's sooner than later. I really do. I even told somebody the other day, the reason we started listening to Christmas music in October is the way 2020 is going, I don't know we're going to make it to Christmas. And so I'm going to squeeze in a little bit of Christmas, amen, before we go. Wouldn't it be neat to spend Christmas in heaven? Oh, man, how exciting would that be? Get to see the reason for what it's all about. Pure, unadulterated Christmas. Not tainted by the world. But you know what? He may not come. We may be left here to endure hardness. It's going to be difficult. How on earth do we keep going? How on earth do we stay motivated and driven? Just the thought that when we do see him, we want to have pleased him. Just want to please him. Sometimes I'll go home to study. It's crazy around here sometimes. It does. It's, it's crazy. And I just got to go home to study, get a little quiet, to pray. And uh, after I have my study time and some prayer time, I'll, uh, I'll help out with something around the house, whatever my wife needs done. She doesn't know it. And I'll come pick her home from school, get back to the house, and say I did something really strange like mop the floor. The dishes are done and all that's always done. But say I did something extra. Maybe I swept the carport or even took out the garbage. And I even leave the garbage drawer open. And I'm standing there like your cat does when your cat kills a mouse or a frog and leaves it at the back door. You know that? He's just kind of sitting there. You know, like, didn't I do good? Didn't I do good? And my wife walks in. And after she says, did you cook fish? Because usually while she's gone, I cook fish. She says, did you cook fish? She walks over and says, did you take the garbage out? <laughs> yeah, I did. Did you mop the floor? Yeah, yeah, I mopped the floor. Did, did you go and, you know, one day I even built her a new fireplace. And man, how it makes me feel so good to know that I have pleased my wife. I cannot imagine what it's going to be like to know that you've pleased your Savior. I'm not going to swell up with pride because we're not going to have pride. Aren't you glad? I'm going to swell up with something. 
to know that I pleased him that called me to be a soldier. I want you to know something tonight. I don't know what Tuesday's going to hold, but I do know that whatever Tuesday holds, we as the people of God have got to meet the desperate times with desperate measures. That may require you doing a little bit more. You can't just say, well, I looked for the coin. I couldn't find it. No, hey, why don't you do something more? Why don't you light a match? Why don't you get a flashlight? Put a little more effort into it. Why don't you decide, you know what? I'm not even going to get the match out and the light out. I'm going to go and I'm going to sweep the house. I'm going to put a little more effort into it. I'm not just going to go through the motions of my ministry. I'm going to put something behind it, a little bit more spiritual oomph. And then I'm not only going to do that, but I'm going to be so desperate that I'm going to maintain it because I keep thinking when that trump of God sounds, I've got to tell you this, I promise I'm done. The other night when the hurricane came through, that wind was blowing and so we're out, I'm, I'm out videoing out the back door. <laughs> Trees are going everywhere. And all of a sudden, I hear this noise. <laughs> and the sky lights up bright. And for about two seconds, I thought, here we go. <laughs> Strike the pose. I'm, I hope he gives me a little bit of warning, you know, because you only got one shot at this, and I want to go right, you know. Some of you are going to go in your bed with your tongue hanging out of your mouth, drooling all over your pillow. I want to go right. I'm not joking. It was a transformer going. I was so disappointed. I was like, this is it. It wasn't it. But all of a sudden, for a few short moments, man, I had hair standing up on my arm thinking it's going to be just like that. And at that moment, I'm going to wish I did more. At that moment... I'm going to wish that I did more than just go through the motions. At that moment, I'm going to be so glad that I maintained what God had called me to do. Tonight, folks, our world is in a desperate situation. And the only question we have to answer tonight is, are we going to be desperate to help them? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed tonight. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not going to sugarcoat things for you. We're living in desperate times. In these desperate times, call for desperate measures. Tonight, for the sake of our country, would you be willing to do spiritually what those young men did on the shores of Normandy? Would you be willing to do something more? Would you be willing to maintain your mission? Would you be willing to give of your time, give of yourself, to do what God's called you to do that we might turn this thing around? This world's lost something, and we need to help them find it. But we're going to have to be driven by desperation. Father God, I thank you tonight, Lord, for the examples you've given us in Scripture. And Lord, I'm so thankful that you show us what happens when we get serious about finding what's lost. You gave us the ultimate example by coming to seek and to save that which was lost, and you went through great lengths that we could be saved. Now, Father, we're not going to have to do what you did. We're required to be a living sacrifice. Help us be willing to do what is needed. Lord, our country is in a desperate situation tonight. And help that be a motivation enough for us to be driven to go do what you've called us to do and to be what you've called us to be. Bless this invitation. Lord, I pray we take enough time, Lord, tonight. I know we've got a lot of things to do this evening, but Lord, this takes priority. Lord, what good is a, a country that's lost its way to our children? So Lord, I pray tonight we'll be willing to do whatever we have to do to get in touch with you. Let's confess our sins. Let's get right. Lord, that we might be able to, Lord, knock on the door of heaven on behalf of this dear country. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed tonight.